This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 30th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Military interventions that are done under the banner of humanitarianism should not be judged by less stringent standards. The intervention in Libya is no different. Benjamin Friedman, a research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute, says even on humanitarian grounds, the war in Libya made things worse. Democracy, I think we forget sometimes, requires salesmanship. And that's especially true when we're talking about U.S. foreign policy. As a rich, technologically adept country surrounded by docile neighbors and water, uh, that is an incredibly safe state by historical standards, uh, our wars are usually remotely linked, linked only in a, in a sort of esoteric way to our actual security and domestic well-being. We only fight wars of choice in the United States. Uh, so the leaders advocating them labor to convince us that they are wise. And the actual reason that a U.S. leader wants a war rarely exhausts the reasons that he or she gives in public in advocating for it. In the case of Libya... Uh, the limited, uh, admittedly limited historical records suggest that the winning argument, uh, at least in the United States, that got President Obama to support the war, was the humanitarian argument. And the other arguments, the ones I'm focusing on, were at best secondary, maybe just PR. Uh, but whether or not those offering those arguments actually found them persuasive, uh, certainly some people listening did. So I think we, we as analysts need to take them seriously. And I should say that while I'm focusing here on what U.S. leaders said, uh, you can find similar quotes from British and French leaders and probably from the heads of most of the 19 states uh, that ultimately contributed uh, to the war effort, though probably not cutters. Um, Before I I get into that, the one point uh, on the humanitarian side of things that Alan Cooperman didn't make, uh, which came up uh, in Chris's remarks, I don't think we ought to put a lot of stock in what uh, Gaddafi said in his rather crazed and incredibly long-winded ramblings. Uh, That said, uh, if you look at least at the translation, I don't speak Arabic, but if you look at the translations of uh, the speeches he gave when he said he was going to slaughter rats and so forth in Benghazi or wherever, he was, I think, talking about rebels, people who took up arms. And uh, if there's a quote that he gave that contradicts that, evaluation. I'd, I'd, uh, it, it may exist. It might have been recorded by the U.S. government, but I haven't seen it. Um, so anyway, uh, one goal was to make Libya a democracy. Uh, then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who was a key supporter of war as ever, uh, made uh, this point about democracy repeatedly. President Obama said on uh, March 28th, 2011, 2011, quote, We must stand alongside those who believe in the same core principles that have guided us through many storms. Our opposition to violence directed at one's own people, our support for a set of universal rights, including the freedom for people to express themselves and choose their leaders, our support for governments that are ultimately responsive to the aspirations of the people, unquote. A couple notable things about that remark. First, the president's presenting a false dichotomy where we either fight a war for people who aspire to freedom Uh, a proposition that requires a lot of war, or uh, we ignore those people entirely. Second, uh, the president is talking not just about democracy, meaning electing leaders, but about liberalism, which is a broader set of values involving individual rights and norms of cooperation. And I think that's sensible uh, to the extent that democracy without liberalism isn't worth much, but it's also overly uh, ambitious. Now, we could argue about whether the fact that Libya has elected a parliament that has no power 
makes it a democratic state. But I think what's more important is that it remains uh, illiberal, as we heard. Uh, to add to what uh, Alan said, uh, a UN report from last fall uh, says that something like 8,000 people remain under arbitrary detention. Uh, reports of torture are widespread. Political assassinations, as the New York Times recently reported, remain rampant, especially in the East. And there, uh, even the moderate non-Islamist uh, militias uh, are supporting what they call federalism and what seems to be shading towards outright separatism. So it's not a civil war, and that's good news. It's not a war of all against all, but it's not close to being a, a liberal state. And while those particular troubles in Libya shouldn't be uh, seen as an inevitable result of Gaddafi's fall, uh, the general story shouldn't surprise anyone. Countries historically become liberal democracies. There's all sorts of scholarship about this. After they've developed a functional state that enforces laws and uh, they agree on nationhood within the borders and agree to live by some governing rules. And as uh, Dirk Vanderwall, who's a leading expert on Libya, argued long ago, oil wealth let Libya grow into a state that spends money rather than extracting it uh, from the private economy via taxes. That retarded uh, the private sector by encouraging rent-seeking, where people, instead of innovating, uh, try to get a handout. And it retarded the public sector, because rather than build an administration to tax wealth and legitimize its collection uh, via a social contract, which is the past mo path most Western democracies took uh, to becoming the liberal states they are, Libya's rulers could simply tap oil revenue to buy off elites and fund the military. Uh, so the basis for state unity in Libya is weak, making cohesion let alone uh, liberal democracy, I think, uh, a long shot, at least for a considerable while. Um, the second major justification for uh, U.S. and allied intervention, uh, to repeat, was that by fighting in Libya, we would show other Middle Eastern despots that the international community, community wouldn't allow them to repress protest movements or arm results. So we'd facilitate this revolutionary Arab Spring. Uh, and here's Obama on May 19th. Uh, 2011, quote, had we not acted along with our NATO allies and regional coalition partners, thousands would have been killed. The message would have been clear, keep power by killing as many people as it takes, unquote. And here's then Senator, now Secretary of State John Kerry on March 26th of that year, quote, by responding and giving the, the uh, popular uprising a chance to take power, the U.S. and other allies sent a message of solidarity with the aspirations of people everywhere that will be remembered for generations, rather than be forced to debate who lost Libya, the free world is poised to say, remember Tripoli every time demagogues question our motives. Um, and this is a credibility argument, a reverse domino theory where our reputation or the international community's reputation for resolve, instead of stopping communism spreads as, as Vietnam was supposed to, uh, unleashes revolutions that we hope will be liberal. Um, because credibility arguments attach peripheral concerns to more important ones, they're always used to justify wars where our interests are few. Besides Vietnam, examples include uh, the Balkan Wars, uh, the 90s, where um, some advocates uh, said we had to bomb uh, to protect NATO's reputation for resolve. And uh, more recently, uh, examples include Iraq and Afghanistan, where someone was always saying we couldn't leave because that would embolden enemies elsewhere. These sorts of credibility or domino arguments have two fatal flaws, I think. First, there's little evidence that the reputation of outside states for carrying out threats much matters 
to other leaders, especially those that are struggling to stay in power. Political scientists are nearly unanimous uh, in finding that the believability of state threats to go to war hardly depends on the outcome of their threats in other times and places. When leaders, uh, on the other side of this, when leaders are considering whether or not they should do something uh, despite some outside state's threats saying don't do it, uh, they focus mostly on the balance of power with that state and uh, on its interests there, uh, rather than looking at its history of carrying out past threats. Iran's leaders, for example, are unlikely to think that the UN's enforcement of a no-fly zone in Libya says much about uh, the UN's willingness to prevent them from killing protesters, just as Soviet leaders didn't, didn't measure American commitment to defend Germany by the war we fought in Vietnam. Second reason credibility arguments fail. Uh, even if credibility travels in this way, as the administration claims, it might backfire. We might give false hope, encouraging rebellions that we aren't uh, prepared to defend, as we arguably did after the first Gulf War, and we encouraged an uprising and then watched it get crushed. And uh, our credibility to the extent it exists might encourage leaders like Assad to nip unrest in the bud, to heighten repression before protests morph into revolts that outside interveners can support. And the leader winds up, if he's lucky in The Hague or if he's unlucky, uh, being murdered on YouTube like Gaddafi. Um, also, I think the sort of minimal cost war we fought in Libya isn't likely to impress too many enemies, at least those that can impose more costs uh, than Gaddafi. So whether or not you think revolutionary movements in the Middle East are a good thing, uh, it seems unlikely that our war in Libya much affected them. But it, to the extent it did, it probably had a negative effect. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.